Halloween is here, but so is COVID-19. Can we keep the candy and jump scares without facing the coronavirus scaries? In recent weeks, the Delta variant of the coronavirus has eased and cases are down just in time for the holidays. But health experts still warn that the colder weather and the holiday season could cause yet another spike, especially with no vaccine for kids under 11. Dr. Ruth Cantula is a pediatrician and an infectious disease specialist. She gave us a step-by-step guide to trick-or-treating safely, the do's and don'ts for Halloween parties, and what makes this year different than last year. So first and foremost, is it even safe to go trick-or-treating this year? And what do the current coronavirus numbers in our region mean for this Halloween? So it is safe to go trick-or-treating this season. The current numbers in our region are pretty low. We've been low for a while now. That being said, trick-or-treating is an outdoor activity that makes it a really safe activity, even if the numbers were a little bit higher. The general answer is yes, it is safe to do this outdoor activity called trick-or-treating. What I would suggest if you're going to do this activity is that you do it with small groups. So either with your family, I think some neighborhoods are doing like cul-de-sac sort of trick-or-treating event. But it's not an activity that I would do where you would end up bunching up at someone's door or something like that. For some context, how does this Halloween compare to last year's as far as COVID risk goes? What I'd like to highlight is that the difference is that we have vaccines this year. Adults are vaccinated, which has contributed to the lower COVID numbers that we're seeing. And then we have the children who are aged 12 to 18 who are all vaccinated. Unfortunately, the children who are 5 to 11 won't be vaccinated by the time Halloween comes around. So there are still children who are not vaccinated who will be in the community. The other thing to remember is that last year, Everybody was home for the most part, and coronavirus was the main circulating virus in our community. We have to consider that there's flu, there's RSV virus, and other cold viruses that are also in the season as we think about moving out and trick-or-treating as well. When people think of Halloween, they think of masks, though, for perhaps a very different reason. Is there any best practices for children when they're costumed up, they're all ready to go, they should also still be wearing masks or can they wear their Mike Myers mask and a mask underneath and still breathe efficiently? So what I would suggest is if possible, trying to incorporate the mask into your costume so that you don't have, for example, the Mike Myers mask and your mask underneath, just hearing it feel suffocating to Mm -hmm. me. Yeah. If you are outside, and you are going from house to house, you can certainly think about taking your mask off or up and down as you would if you're going for walks. I I do that myself as I'm going for walks. If I'm not around other people, I'll put my mask down and then bring it back up. Those are things to consider. If you are going to be inside other people's homes and, you know, participating in some sort of indoor Halloween activity, definitely wear masks because of the mixed vaccine status that we have in our community. Our adults and young adults are may be vaccinated, and the younger kids are not. So masks are more important for the indoor activities. Okay, so we've got our masks. It's all incorporated into our Halloween dress. Can you walk us through step-by-step the best ways to trick-or-treat safely? If you are going to give out candy, I would recommend a contactless free way. So some recommendations have been to put a table outside of your door, and then you line up the candy so that the child can pick up the candy pieces so that there's no exchange between you and the child. So child not digging in a bowl and you not digging in a bowl to pull out candy 
Another idea I've read about is doing a Halloween haunt or a Halloween hunt, similar to an Easter egg hunt, hiding pieces of candy in your backyard for like if you have a cul-de-sac or a group of kids, like your small group, you can do something like that and that would be fun. The other thing is I know families are thinking about how do I actually eat the candy and open the candy? So obviously hand sanitizer is important and hand washing is important. The risk of getting COVID from the actual wrapper, the surface is pretty low. If you are thinking about erring on the side of caution, like I would, because I'm an infectious disease doctor, and so I'm a little bit paranoid. Probably. Um, (laughs) So what I would say is, Once you get home, obviously wash your hands and then open the pieces of candies that you want to eat, either in a bowl or on a table. And once they're all open, go and wash your hands again and then eat your candy. It's also a good way to be mindful of how much candy you're eating because you can only eat what you opened. (laughs) You're just like shucking them like corn, trying to have portion (laughs) moderation. (laughs) Exactly. I will say... One of our colleagues, Neil Augenstein, reported last Halloween when there was no vaccinations back then. He reported on a candy shoot. Have you? Oh. Were you because the priority was being six feet apart. So yeah, he yeah. created this. Oh, very cool. Like he got PVC pipe and he like glued it together. Yeah. So I mean, should we be yeah. bringing that back? <laughs> I think any kid would love. <laughs> it's a fantastic idea as long as the force of the candy <laughs> coming out of the shoot isn't too terribly hard. And if you're over, let's say, 14 and the neighbors start looking at you with askance when you ask for free candy, not speaking from (laughs) personal experience, they tend to encourage you to celebrate Halloween in different ways. And that comes in the form of house parties. So you said mixed vaccination status, wear your mask. Is it even prudent to hold these kind of parties indoors? Like, what are the risks you're facing if something goes wrong? I would advise against Halloween parties this year, house parties, because you're creating a situation that's crowded. And as we know, crowded situations, even when we take COVID out of the picture, as I mentioned, there are other viruses circulating in our community right now. So we are increasing risk of transmission. I guess maybe I'll just do a little lesson in medicine. We see viruses in the wintertime because people are inside. Kids are in school in the wintertime and people are at home in the wintertime. So if you're having a house party right now in fall and winter, you're going to get sick, whether it's Corona or the flu, or as I mentioned, some other rhinovirus or RSV. So those are things to consider. The nice part about the weather right now is you can do things outside. So you can certainly have a party outside in your backyard There are also other activities we can do in the community, like going to pumpkin patches, apple picking, all nice outdoor activities that we can do while the weather is still a little brisk before it gets too cold. So I would think about those sorts of alternatives. Your hospital actually put out a survey recently to see how the community feels about this Halloween. Yeah, 65% of people who participated in the survey are going to participate in trick-or-treating this year. And then this was a rise in 15% compared to last year. 79% of people are saying that they're going to incorporate a protective mask in their costume. Yeah. I see this statistic about people being willing to bob for apples. What does that tell you about people's willingness to adapt their behavior? So what I will say about that is it was a smaller percentage of people, less than 20%, who had bobbed for apples in the past and willing to bob for apples this year. 
no judgment, but I would advise against bobbing for apples. Again, saliva, nasal secretions. <laughs> ah, yes, the two main exports of kids. <laughs> On Friday, data from Pfizer on its kids' vaccine showed that it's nearly 91% effective at preventing symptomatic infection in 5 to 11-year-olds. As a pediatrician, what does that mean to you and what impact will this have on the pandemic? I like those numbers and I think other pediatricians like those numbers. So they're pretty close to what we saw in the adult numbers. The, the adult numbers for efficacy were in the mid-90s for, I think, around 94, 96 for Pfizer. It's pretty impressive that kids have such a robust immune system and response because the vaccine dose for kids is actually one-third of the dose for adults. So that's pretty significant to me. As a pediatrician, I also take care of children who are immunocompromised. That means a lot to those families once their children are able to get vaccinated. Because a lot of my families with children who are immunocompromised have been living in a bubble of sorts for the past 18 months. And so the opportunity to, to go out and to go to school is a big deal for them. A lot of them haven't been attending school and have sought out exemptions because of their immunocompromised status. As a pediatrician, you've been treating children throughout the pandemic. How has that been? As you know, the COVID infection in children has primarily been a mild one, cough, runny nose, and then there have been sicker kids who have required hospitalization and ICU management. The other thing with COVID infection in children is that there is a post-COVID syndrome outside of the long hauler syndrome that is called MISC, multi-inflammatory response, post-infectious response, which we're seeing in kids but not adults. It affects the heart primarily. The other thing that we've seen in children that I don't know how much it's talked about is depression, depression from being at home during the 18 months, anxiety also from being at home. A lot of us pediatrician and children included are excited about them being back in school and forming those social networks. So this vaccine will make a lot more families comfortable about having their children go back to school and continue their social networks. Every community's response to the COVID pandemic has been different. As you know, there's some communities that are willing to mask. There are other communities that are not. If you have the vaccine as an option to protect your child, it makes moving through those environments easier. If kids are anxious about being around groups of people, how can you celebrate the holidays, Halloween, Thanksgiving coming up in a way that is respectful to them? I think that with the holidays coming up, Given that we're still in a mixed vaccine situation, I would still recommend smaller activities for the holidays. If you're having holiday gatherings, which will probably be indoors come Thanksgiving and come Christmas, I would try to just limit it to your family unit. And then if you can, if you live in a place where you have the option of going outside, then definitely go outside to celebrate. That's another option. In terms of children and their anxiety levels about COVID and others with COVID and interacting with others during COVID, I think every family has to have a conversation together about the risks that they are willing to put up with during this pandemic. In those conversations, children should be involved. So if you have a child who is still feeling a little anxious, like you said, it's important to respect that decision because it's fair to be anxious during this time. And then I also think 
it can also begin the conversation of what can we do as your family to make you feel safer about interacting with others. We talk about this a lot. Children should have the choice and be a part of the conversation as to whether or not they get vaccinated. So it might be, I feel safer once I'm vaccinated. Okay, then we'll wait until you're vaccinated until we go out into the community. From your perspective, how are these kids doing? So I think their responses to COVID from what I've seen have been different. Some kids are thriving, being at home, doing schoolwork from home, and that's just their personality and they're doing well. Other children are not thriving in this setting. As I mentioned before, it's bringing out some anxiety in children. And for some kids, it was anxiety that wasn't already there. And then as we moved from summer into the fall and in the clinic visits that I had asking kids, you know, how do you feel about going to school? The majority of them, I would have to say, were excited about going back to school to be with their friends because you can only be in your house with your siblings if you have siblings for so long before it gets to be too much. So overall, during the actual pandemic, children had different responses. On Tuesday... Outside experts will make a recommendation to the Food and Drug Administration on whether they should grant Pfizer's kids vaccine emergency use authorization. If they recommend this new vaccine, the FDA's approval is expected soon after. Interested in building your own candy shoot? When the Virginia Department of Health first recommended the idea, it suggested a cardboard tube. Not as common as you may think. Here's our colleague Neil Augenstein with a workaround got some PVC pipe here in the plumbing section since I didn't have a long cardboard tube at home. Got a variety bag of snack-sized chocolates for testing. Decorated the PVC with colored paper. Candy into the tube. Hands-free into the kid's bucket. WTOP has learned Reese's peanut butter cups may not fit through a smaller pipe, so... Neil Augenton, WTOP News. This episode was hosted and produced by me, Laura Spitalniak. And me, Luke Garrett. Our cover art was created by cartoonist Audrey Garrett, and our music is courtesy of Lockspeed. Join us next Monday as the world recovers.